0: Cinnabuds is supported by Associated Bank. Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies, buddies talking about Cinnabuds. Cinnabud. <laughs> Cinnabud. Yeah, hey, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey. yeah.
0: This is Cinnabuds. I am Justin Barney from 889 Radio Milwaukee.
1: And I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film.
0: Today we are talking about the movie Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. sand, yeah, like sands, like the ocean, like. Riverside sand. Oh, no, sand. S- sand. but stray sand. Sand. This is fate that brought us Licorice Pizza is the new movie from Paul Thomas Anderson, aka. PTA. I've heard of him. You've heard of him because he's done movies like Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood, Inherent Vice, Punch Drunk Love, The Master. Magnolia. Magnolia. And this is his newest. It is a very simple love story between Alana and Gary.
1: Alana and Gary.
0: Alana and Gary. And that is it. It is a very simple love story, but then it takes place in California in the 70s. And these two characters, it's just kind of about the points at which their life intersect. Yeah. And it's like just a series of things that happen in their lives and uh, that, you know, go with the ups and downs of a relationship. In one part, it's very simple, but then it's kind of got this like shaggy narrative around it that has these two characters colliding into each other. Alana is played by Alana Haim. Gary is played by Cooper Hoffman. There's guest appearances from Sean Penn and... Tom Tom Waits. Waits.
1: I knew you were gonna say that. (laughs) There's some great cameos in this movie.
0: Christopher Pollard, what did you think of Licorice Pizza?
1: Well, everybody was going on and on about this movie, and it's like on everyone's top ten lists and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. We were looking forward to it a lot. Mine too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Really worried. (laughs) (laughs) Were you worried?
1: I was really... (laughs) I was worried. I I was. I was really worried because I, you know, how I can't shut up about expectations. And so... I know. (laughs) So it's like, I don't want to get my hopes too high. Because honestly, Inherent Vice, which... Was was that his last movie? I can't recall, but it was one of his recent movies. I was like not in love with. It was not great. But most of his movies...
0: uh, Phantom Thread was his latest. Oh,
1: which I did love. Phantom yeah. Thread. So, but in hair Vice, I was like, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure where, you know, where he's going to go. I feel the same way about Wes Anderson. We talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't know. And I don't, I wasn't familiar with any of the people other than the cameos. So I was like, we'll see. But Yeah. I just adored it, man. Me
0: too. That tra- when the trailer came out and it was David Bowie's "Life on Mars," yeah, which and is it's perfect. going through all these things, and you see Alana Heim from the band Heim, and you're like, oh, it's her first role. Yeah. It's got like Tom Waits in that trailer. Sing! <laughs> and I was like, I was like, it's this like David Bowie is in my... the studio with us again. <laughs> I was like, this trailer is my favorite movie. Yeah, it was There's a good like trailer. no yeah. way that, that this movie can live up to it. And it totally did. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Uh, there was so many little things about this that I love. I think kind of if I had to pick like a central thing that I love about this movie, it was like a very, honest look at a relationship. You could see the little power dynamics. You could see like the little ups and downs yeah. and you could see the, like the little ends of the relationship. And I, those, they all felt so true and so real.
1: And the great thing about most of his movies is that it's really, you know, you can kind of sum up the plot. Yeah. Of most of them, but it's all about the details, the characters and the details and the little kind of encounters along the way. Yeah. Yeah. The plot, in general, you can say it's a relationship between uh, uh, as that grows between a young girl, and a young boy. Mm. But no, that's not what it's about. It. I mean, it's it's about all the details and just an amazing characterization. So, and the music and the blah 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 and the details. So, uh, yeah, this is another just great one for him.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about the details and the music and the blah 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 after the break. Support for Cinebuds comes from your membership and Associated Bank proud supporter of milwaukee film and offering support year-round through milwaukee film checking more about associated bank's commitment to the milwaukee community at associatedbank.com member fdic it's the most charitable time of year and we have a way for you to give a gift to radio milwaukee and yourself donate your unwanted car truck motorcycle or boat and let us take it off your hands your gift will support the music and stories you enjoy every day, and it may even qualify you for a tax deduction. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to schedule your free donation pickup today. All right. <laughs> we are back. We're, back. We're back. We're back. Talking about licorice pizza. Do
1: you okay. know where licorice pizza comes from?
0: I think I heard that that was... It was something in LA in the seventies.
1: Yeah, it was a, a record, store. record store, and the the title of the record store came from a uh, Aben Costello movie, hmm. where they take a record, an album, <clears throat> a vinyl, mm-hmm. and they said they weren't selling, so they said maybe we can dust them with co- uh, cornmeal and sell them as licorice pizza. Wow. And I was like, that's what a weird journey from that odd joke in Eva Costello to this movie. So, I guess a big connection to the music of the film and that era. I
0: think that makes sense because so much of this movie is putting you in the era. Yeah. It is the San Fernando Valley in 1973 no question about it yeah and uh, that the like the place setting and one of the things that I really loved about this movie was how it interacted with the real world there is an oil crisis oh in yeah, yeah the 70s that affects California and it affects Gary and Alana and there is you know a the politics of the San Fernando Valley in the seventies affects this dynamic. You know the pop culture of the era. They go to a, uh, uh what is it, Teen Fest? Yeah, and they have like <laughs> yeah. the monsters, and they have like Rat Fink going by, and you yeah, see like that, yeah. yeah, like you see all these like little, uh, little bits of culture from yeah. early seventies California, and they did a really great job of shaping that era. There's this great cameo from Bradley Cooper where <laughs> oh, he's a okay. hairdresser. Uh, from that era, who is uh, dating Barbara Streisand? Streisand, and uh, yet that is a real person who really they they is that re- true yeah oh, I didn't know they that. they ran it by him and we're like hey we're going to <laughs> we're going to put you in the script and it is not flattering and he was like yeah go for it <laughs> oh wow
1: oh that's amazing
0: right wasn't that, wasn't the play setting great I thought that was
1: it really was it looked good. The costumes were great, like subtle, but really Mm -hmm. appropriate. And the look of his movies are always good. He's got a very, I don't know if I would call it subtle style, but I mean, you can definitely see that it's his movie. There's a few moments where I was like, for something about the light in this and the way they're shooting it, that reminds me of his, how he shoots his other movies. So I love it when you can see. I love it when it's like an ostentatious style, too, but I yeah. also like it when it's like, oh, I can just say, I can barely say why I know this is your movie. Yeah. well, but I, it's really well done.
0: I think that the, I mean, the main part of this movie is the relationship. Yeah. It is Gary, who is 15 years old.
1: Played by Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Is that really? Yeah. That's Philip Seymour Hoffman's oh. son.
0: Oh, did not
1: know Now that. that you know it, can you not see it? I Absolutely, like, can see I was it. watching it. And I'm like, that is his face. That is a young oh my face. God, of and Phil that makes Sumer so much Hoffman. sense
0: because this is his first role, and he absolutely kills it. Yeah, I was like coming into this movie. So it's about so Gary is 15 years old. Yeah, and uh, Alana is 25, and uh, they end up in this friendship in this like. They are partners through the whole movie, yeah, like and business partners. Business partners, <laughs> and I thought, <clears throat> I thought, like coming in, I was like, I knew that he was fifteen, and I was like, oh, he's gonna be like, you know, fifteen. You're like awkward and and all that, and then just like right off the bat, he is just he's so relentlessly charismatic, yeah. And he is so, like, confident for no reason. (laughs) That's
1: what I love. He plays a child actor in the movie. And the great thing is he does talk like child actors talk, which is way too adult for your age.
0: Yes, which is like throwing in phrases. Yeah. and, uh, And then she, you know... Knocks them for throwing yeah. in these phrases, She's and like, you're You've like, gotta be kidding and coming me. in, you're you're <laughs> like, okay, like how is this like courtship going to work, or like what, like how are they going yeah. to be drawn, and and the thing is that it is that Alana, played by Alana Heim from the band Heim,
1: which is wild. Her entire family is her entire her mom, in dad,
0: and her sisters, and she is absolutely incredible. Yeah, there's so many shots. There's a couple shots where it's just her face. And it, she just, like, steals it. But um, she just, in the beginning, she just entertains it. She, like, here's this kid who's trying so hard. And she's, yeah. like, she's 25. She's working for, you know, she's taking high school pictures of these kids. Yeah, yeah. Her boss is, like, slapping her on the ass. And uh, she, and it's, like, and she just, you know, she entertains this idea. yeah. And then I, I thought it was so brilliant how it progressed because it's like they go out for a date or like she goes and meets him. Right. And then yells at him for breathing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's just hilarious.
1: Which is really funny because he's like breathing really heavily. He's like, What? I only stop breathing. And it's really yeah, it's weird because she's charmed by him, but she also finds him
0: ridiculous. So yes. I think it's like
1: half curiosity that she wants to see what happens. Totally. Yeah. And
0: then and then I think like It was so smart how to bring the events into it because then they go on this date and then he's taking her to New York to be a chaperone. And you're like, oh, like they had just met and this girl who's like in this job that she hates is asked to like go to New York in the 70s and fly in an airplane and be a chaperone. Like who wouldn't love that? Right. And so they do that. And then there is like... There's kind of like the first betrayal in yeah, the relationship. Yeah. And that just like hurts so much. And, and then, then the, yeah. the, just the whole like little back and forths of the whole movie. That is what really made it. It was like yeah. the little back and forths of he is he's going this way. Yeah. She's going this way. They both are like not moving towards each other, but they're moving around each other and just like the little ways. But you see and you see them
1: get closer and closer just as in general, as people, as friends. Yeah. You see them get closer and closer, but then you see Gary gain some ground and then he loses it. And then you see her come around like, Is it weird that and she even says, Is it weird that I'm hanging out with this kid?
0: I think it's weird that I'm hanging out with Gary and his fifteen year old friends. Exactly.
1: And it is it is strange. Mm-hmm. I thought about it afterwards. I was like, that was a romance movie about a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old. If the genders were reversed, first of all, that would definitely not get made. No. <laughs> and But it was weird how I just felt okay with it until the end, and then I was like, Oh, I mean, even after the end, I, uh, mm-hmm. but I was just like, "Why am I okay with that?" Mm-hmm. Because I also think it's because it's not overtly sexual necessarily,
0: and she's not the predator.
1: Yeah, that's true too. And neither of them are like it's a very innocent, actually, love it affair. Is. So, like the, I mean, not to give, I don't want to give away too much, but I mean, there's, it's nothing graphic or sexual, yeah. really. It's just it's or a very over the sweet. Top, it's more innocent.
0: There's like not. I I really loved how there's not, like, there's not, like, really truly bitter moments. You know, like, there are moments where it's, like, Gary has, like, a 15-year-old boy, like, especially, like, you know, after, you know, she goes after Lance, um, where it's, like, he sees her and and you're, like, if that were me, I'd be so, like, I'd want to say something snippy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's just, like... Hey, beautiful! Yeah, you know <laughs> he just like plays the charmer. He's a natural song and dance yeah, man. That's what he says. You know, and it's so true. And it's like he really was.
1: And the, we should also talk about uh, those details and those moments that we talked about. I mean, the cameos alone. <laughs> so you say, can right. you get, you get are we the, ready? Yeah, we're ready. Uh,
0: Tom Waits. That's oh, the best one. Comes through. In a plume of smoke. Yeah. And plays the role that he is born to play. (laughs) That's true. Carnival Barker. (laughs) You know? And he has the best lines in the movie. And he is so, he's so like, Tom waits Waitsian there's like the waiter comes over and he's like hey we're gonna need three <laughs> chairs from the bar yeah. a bottle of Everclear and meet me on the eighth hole
1: and all the grease you can get <laughs> and all
0: the grease from the kitchen
1: I just want to believe in I my heart that half of those lines were just his
0: I, I don't I care cannot... if they
1: said no I read yeah. everything on the script no you didn't <laughs> Because those came from who you are. And
0: if they did come from the script, it is someone who is like a real Tom Waits fan. Yeah. You know, who knows that that's exactly what he would say. I, He was the star of the show for me. I I saw yeah. it twice. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's went, great. I I went back and saw it uh, two days ago, too. And I saw it like the day it came to the theater and yeah. then saw it uh, again. And the second time, I was just waiting for oh, time Oh, yeah. That's sunscreen. the whole just time. Like, top,
1: top, top. Yeah. It's so cool. So they have these moments, you know, these encounters throughout the film as mm-hmm. you would in real life. And uh, one of them is where, uh, Alana meets uh, like a movie star type played by Sean Sean Penn and she's kind of so enamored with him and he's so schmaltzy and like playing his part of like the cool Literally
0: like playing his part and she is like
1: are, so are you
0: running lines yeah she's so confused <laughs> or but she's is this real?
1: Like, do you like me yeah. like very much almost directly saying it and then tom waits comes in as a friend of his and then they just you know go bananas and it's one of the best scenes in the movie but you also have I don't, i'm not a huge bradley cooper fan i'm not either but his appearance his oh, was really cameo great. was amazing. He plays this awful, manic, violent hairdresser who terrorizes uh, Gary's character. Um, and then you have who else? Do you have you have uh, Maya Rudolph is in there? She has a brief moment. Oh yeah, oh, well, um,
0: there's I, I some think wonderful that ones. On like on that, I think that one of the one of the really smart ways that they wrote Gary was that uh, he is such a charmer. But also, he does a bunch of really dumb bonehead things. Oh, yeah. I where love you're, where the
1: juvenile part of him comes yes. through. It's such a good Because offset. at the
0: beginning, he's like, oh, I'm a natural song and dance man. I'm a yeah. child actor. I have a PR company. And she's like, you're going to be 16 living in a mansion, and yeah. you're never going to remember me. And it's like, at that point, that could be true. Yeah. You don't know that. And then right. he like goes to New York, and he... like. Makes this joke, and you're like, Oh, he is not gonna make it as a <laughs> child actor. <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh, he is not, you know, that's <laughs> not his path. Yeah. And so they're kind of like, You know, you know, like trying to figure it out together, yeah, right. And that is the beauty of the movie,
1: yeah. No, it's wonderful. Um, all those details are phenomenal. The music, again, the
0: music was. Absolutely incredible. As in
1: almost all of his movies, it's just spot on.
0: There's a part where um, uh, they play a Doors song, and I don't even like the Doors. Yeah. And I, at that part, I thought that was like the you best. Like nailed music it. Plates, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like absolutely. I
1: also love how seriously he takes it. I mean, L- liquor's Pizza comes from the record store name, mm. and at the end, I love the end credits. Because usually at the end credits, you have to wait to the very end when it's scrolling up Ugh. to find out where the songs are coming from. Yes. With him, I think they showed I think they showed all the main players, and then they just had a bold list of all the musicians whose songs were featured they, in the movie. And
0: they didn't show the names of the songs. Yeah. It was just, here, is, here are all the he, artists that were played. Yeah. Nina Simone, Sonny and Cher, yeah. Sonny Rollins, you know, The Doors. It was Donovan. It was really, it was I think great. it was really nicely
1: yeah. done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a beautiful film I think I'm excited Because I always loved Philip Seymour Hoffman Like unbelievably Me too So sad he's gone I think about it all the time And uh, it is. it was kind of like emotional and delightful To see his son kill it the first time out
0: Absolutely
1: And I was like And you can really see him in his face I
0: can't believe I didn't clock that I, It's son. really
1: It's. I'm actually kind of glad you didn't Because it's yeah. kind of Kind of cool not to just be able to discover it afterwards, I yeah. imagine. But yeah, that was great. Um Alana Haim, I, I knew the band, Haim, mm-hmm. but I, who knew that she was so good. Yes. Um So that's kind of cool that she's easily going to make that transition.
0: Uh, that was so great. And there is one of the great things about It's like Alana has this tooth. Yeah. It's a little longer than the yeah. other. And this. This movie was so good at showing everything so raw and there's so many scenes of like them running and they're like, they don't look great when they're running. And they like, you know, like, like Gary Cooper, like, like his face is like breaking out all the time yeah, and they don't like, they don't don't hide hide that. There's a scene where like clearly like Alana had like just taken a shower and like her hair is wet, yeah, you know, and they're like, they just show that with like warts and all, which I I really do
1: really use it. Like they don't touch them up. Uh, Gary's character also has like a little bit of discolored tooth. You know, they mm. they just show them as they are. They're beautiful people, but they're they have you know these imperfections that you might call them if you're in Hollywood. Yeah, and I love that you have a love story that don't feature. Uh, like overly symmetrical people yes uh have struggling to find love when in right. reality you're <laughs> right. like screw you <laughs>
0: right you have no problems <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: um but I mean I'm sure that's the case they're still lovely people yeah but it's but it, it was really nice that you could see them kind of focus on it yeah which as if to say deal deal with this <laughs> it's it's good yeah it was wonderful um because and that made it feel more special that you're using You're not dolling people up To look their best all the time
0: Yeah we should have done like a Paul Thomas Anderson ranked
1: Oh yeah I can at least tell you Because I was was thinking about it right away I can at least tell you a couple of my favorites You tell me a couple of your favorites Okay
0: give us a a second Yeah All
1: right, we're gonna do Our top three, Paul Thomas Anderson joints. Yeah. I think we're prepared for this. I think we are. Yeah. You want to start off with your number three?
0: Yeah. My number three, it's really like they're all kind of the same, but for the sake of of ranking things right now, I'll say Punch Drunk Love is number three.
1: That's understandable. It's great. That's a really good one.
0: Yeah. I know that it'll be in your top three, too. It
1: is. It's going to be in there. Spoilers. Number three for me is going to be an early one. I love their early stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hard eight. Oh, I, that's one that I have not seen.
1: Hard. Oh, really? Hard. Eight's really good. It's, yeah. it's kind of right before he heavily gets into his style that he'll kind of maintain, mm-hmm. but there's definitely the roots of it in there and great performances. John C. Early John C. Riley. So um, good. Uh, I'm
0: going to say number two, there will be Blood. There okay. will be blood is to me it's like a boring pick because it's like I think probably his favorite. It's the one that everyone like oh, knows really, yeah. from him. But uh it just is so good. I mean yeah. Daniel Day Lewis, Paul Dano. I mean the like relationship between capitalism and religion, it's just like
1: Yeah. It's I, you know what? That one's not on my list. Oh and here's I think what I th- I tend to like his more fun ones or the yeah. stranger ones and less of the period pieces that he has. Yeah, though I do like those; they're great. Uh, my second one would be truck Love.
0: Okay,
1: so I'm I'm he's my number two. So you can go on.
0: My number one licorice pizza.
1: Ah! <laughs> also, I didn't know we were including licorice pizza. <laughs> they were doing other ones, but yeah, licorice pizza is it just, great.
0: It just really, I just really love kind of that. I I I love the kind of micro look at a relationship yeah you know
1: if we're including licorice pizza i may replace it as number three
0: okay then let's then, no, not I'll, I'll do another one okay two.
1: yeah go for it
0: um uh, magnolia
1: yeah that's my number one is it yeah i'm saying it's great i was also right at this time in filmmaking which was like what is that 90s early 90s or no late 90s yeah 99 there was um, a lot of movies coming out around then with these new younger filmmakers like mm. Spike Jones, and then like uh, Fight Club came out at that time, and uh, Seven, mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, and yeah. like
1: all these, all these movies. This was kind of a time where I got really excited about movies again. Totally, and this was definitely one of them. I was like, I've never seen a movie like this before, and it's so long, but I was like super into it. And I
0: watched, I listened yeah. to this podcast once that yeah. was about. I think it was like a podcast in another podcast feed that I listened to. And it was like, nineteen. why 1999 was the greatest movie for indie films of all time. I
1: have, I think there's a
0: book that goes along with it, I and, believe. And it was, it was not just be, it was not. And I, I was like, oh, it's just going to be like, oh, there's a bunch of great indie movies every year. And this one had like a weird proportion of it. And yeah. it was like, no, it went into why that was. Oh yeah. And it was like, structurally... There was more like multiplexes, and there was less oh. blockbusters, and it goes into like, like institutionally yeah. why nineteen ninety nine was set up to release so many independent oh, movies. That's interesting. Which is like, which is why it has so many in the first place, and then you know a lot of them were good because there was more. It was like the whole institution was set up to release more independent movies huh. and and screen them in more theaters than yeah. ever before.
1: That makes sense now that you say it. Because I I was surprised when I was seeing a lot of these movies. I'm like, I'm surprised I get this where I'm living right now. Yeah, that's amazing. I should check that out. Yeah, yeah. There's some really good ones, but yeah, Magnolia is probably my top still.
0: Okay, licorice pizza. That's a wrap up. That's all all right. a wrap. And that's a wrap. Right. Okay. Um. Uh, time for our favorite segment.
1: What's that segment?
0: Christopher Pollard. What else have you been watching?
1: Um. I got a couple things. Okay. I'll start with one, and then you go. Yeah. Okay.
0: Great. Um.
1: I read I this uh the Secret Garden, which is like a interesting a, a classic of children's literature. Yeah. Totally. Or young adult literature. Yeah. It is really lovely. It's such yeah. a lovely book. And um, Nicole, one of her favorite movies is the '90s version of the movie Secret oh, Garden. Yeah, I so I grew up with that. New Year's Eve was insane at my house. We watched two different versions of the Secret Garden before <laughs> Love midnight. That wow! Yeah, watched the uh, let's see the 1993. Agnieszka Holland version who I've met she came to the okay. film festival once did a master class
0: oh I'm Christopher no Ballard, big deal guys rubbing elbows with the stars no big deal
1: everybody Maggie Smith was in that one and that one was really really good and then I but I saw a version of it that just came out in 2020 um that I thought was going to be even better because it was so visually impressive and there's a lot of fantastical garden looks and like all these uh, things that I visually I thought were going to be great. And it was visually pretty cool, but it they changed the story. And I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, it has to be just like the book. But they changed the story in such a poor way that, <laughs> that the, the movie like almost made no sense. Like, that, I don't know why I care about them if you're not going to build their characters and their relationships up. So they kind of abandoned the story and the characters in a way that I, and they just relied on the Sucks. look of it. So that one was like 2020 and it had uh, what's his name? Uh, Dreamboat Colin Firth. So you thought, Oh, that's gotta be great, but that's not so good. So anyway, I've thoroughly examined the cinema of the secret history. And I've concluded that Agnieszka Hollins is the only good one. There's one from the 40s well, the I have Secret to watch Garden. still. What did I say? The Secret History? Yeah. I like that book too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I see. What, what else have you
0: been watching? Well, you know what I watched? Yeah, no. All four Matrixes. <laughs> <laughs> I watched. So the new one is coming out and I was like, well, I remember the old ones and uh, yeah. vaguely. Right. And so I thought, you know, why not? Just watch all of them. No, it's a good idea. Watch the first one with my friends. Original Matrix rips. It is so it's good. Really good yeah. It is so much fun. Two hot people clad in leather. Sure. Using a computer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Playing
0: pong. <laughs> it was like it was great. And the like the angles are great. The color palette's great. The yeah. Soundtrack is wild. It just like is very great. Um I watched
1: seventy five percent of it. Last week. Okay. And then I fell asleep. Not because it was not. I was bored. It was just late.
0: The second two Matrixes. Yeah. <laughs> I fell asleep during both. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it was boring.
0: Uh, yes. And uh, so I fell asleep during those, but watched them fine. Yeah. Um, I watched the new one, the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah surprisingly liked it i hear a lot of Expectations people liking it. were low right oh, after good. watching the Helpful. other ones but uh it really it comments on itself yeah. a lot
1: oh that's good
0: and uh i thought that it was really great i thought it was like in on its own conversation in yeah. a really smart way i thought that it like brought itself you know 20 years forward in a really good way there is like you know uh they, they bring like therapy into it in a in a smart way they they like continue the story and and what i thought was smart way. the only thing that i that i didn't love about it is like the whole neo trinity relationship i am just not there for oh really it is just like there's like seven people in the movie and they're like oh i'm super hot and you're super hot the oracle said i'm gonna fall in love you're new and hot This is the greatest love story that's ever been told. (laughs) I'm just like not buying it.
1: You don't need an oracle to tell you that two hot people who are just put in a room are probably gonna like each other. (laughs) What a difficult prediction.
0: They they play on that a lot in all of the movies. Yeah. And after like watching Licorice Pizza, I was like, that's how you do a relationship. You know, if you're telling like a, a love story, there has to be like some. There has to be, like, some kind of, like, tribulation in it or yeah. some kind of, like, attachment for anything other than, like, you're incredibly hot. Yeah. But That's pretty yeah. much it. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I've heard a lot of people comment very positively about it, so I'm I, excited I to watch it. I would
0: say, like, a three out of five. Okay. It's, it's not, like, the the greatest.
1: What if it was out of six? I really like the one to six scale, because then it forces you to f- go in one direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that is really good. That is really, really good. Would you give it a really four good.
1: out of six?
0: Oh, that is... Oh, here's what I want to know. Are
1: you leaning towards it was good or leaning towards it was not great?
0: It's It's like... The expectations, you know, like my expectations were that it was going to be terrible yeah, and they were exceeded. If good. like, Thin do I think four. it's on the other side <laughs> of good though? Yeah. Like would I ever watch it again? Absolutely not. Well,
1: no, cause that would be a five. <laughs> five. You'll watch it again. Actually, this is not even true. I'm going to say three out of six. Three. I still stick with three. Three out of six. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Uh yeah, I did watch some of the uh, uh of the first one and I was really That's into great. it. Yeah, I'm it's gonna so finish game that changing. up. Uh I have one more I if I can fit it in. And it's not a movie. Kenny,
0: cut it. No, Kenny, <laughs> wait.
1: Uh it's not a movie, but I really think I'm specifically excited to tell you about it.
0: Oh.
1: Um this is I'm reading a book that I got for Christmas. Okay. And it I think encapsulates um one of my passions and one of yours oh. in one book. What is
0: it?
1: It is a comedian I love named James Acaster. Okay. He's a British comedian. Uh, he's huge in Britain, but he's name. he's getting big over here. He has great Netflix specials, mm. but he has a book called Perfect Sound Whatever, which is a reference to a track by a band. I can't remember who it was, but the book, he posits that 2016, is the best year for music ever? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 2016. Twenty six. Twenty sixteen. I mean, the three. There's three big ones right off the bat. You've got Lemonade. You have got Kendrick Lamar. You've got, You've got uh, Black Star. David Bowie. Oh yeah. And oh shoot, what was the? Th- there's a third one. There's well, a, there a Frank Ocean. There's a Frank Ocean. Yeah. I think there's another other really big one, but. Um, he talks about how not only do you have these kind of seminal huge albums, but as he started digging in on this idea that he said maybe kind of casually at first, he started discovering all this smaller music, like like not as with not as much backing uh-huh. that really supported his thought. So he's just. Sticking hard with that claim. That's interesting, just
0: based on the thought alone. Like with the saturation of music, there is like if you dig in on any year, you're gonna find like a boatload of great music. I mean, that is like literally my job. It's like there's just like, (laughs) and I am like way behind and haven't listened to like nearly anything in my like best of 2021 list was like a hundred albums long, you know? (laughs) So I, I, I would like to, it's great. So the book would be entertaining.
1: It goes back and forth between him doing like a several paragraphs about one album or band, Mm -hmm. which is great because it's the entire thing is a discovery of music. I have not heard of for the most part. And then you also talk about what was happening in his life to make him come to this conclusion and what Mm was his comedic journey, but also these like heartbreaks and breakdowns he had. Mm -hmm. But also he's funny. So it is such a good blend of like learning more about him. There's some funny moments, but also learning about all this different music. Ah. It is really good. I think you'd like it a lot. I and I'd be really interested to see how many of them you know of already, because I assume. But yeah. some of them are like dug down band camp discoveries that like- Interesting. He goes, they've maybe got a 100 plays sure. on Bland Show. Sure. <laughs> so, but he's like, but I don't know why, because I think they're fanta- fantastic. Cool. It's so but- hard to read, though, because you, I'll read like two or three chapters, and then I will go on YouTube and start uh, yeah, looking yeah, up all the music.
0: Yeah. What is the name
1: of it? It's called Perfect Sound Whatever, Perfect. and it is by James A. Caster, which and I also highly recommend going on Netflix and checking out his specials. They're really funny. He's I'm reading a
0: book right now called Being a Beast. And it's about a British guy who spends uh, several months being a badger and then (laughs) being a fox. (laughs) And he (laughs) digs a hole into the side of a of uh, a hill in England. And
1: uh, I desperately want to believe this is
0: nonfiction and eats worms. It is nonfiction.
1: Oh, it is nonfiction. It is
0: absolutely nonfiction. It's a science. It's a book of science. And he's also funny. He's like a funny scientist, but he's also like romantic and refers to himself as a shaman. He's like he's like really like out there, but he's also British, so he still like wears tweed and has a family.
1: Like lives lives in the suburbs. He lived as a badger would live. As
0: a badger would live.
1: Okay, I'm on board with this. Eight worms. I'm on board with this <laughs> book 100%. <laughs> it's very odd. I was on board when I thought it was fiction. I'm like, that's <laughs> right, a great right. non-fiction. But non-fiction I'm, I think I'm even more on board yeah, with. It's pretty cool. Oh, um, that's good.
0: All right, Rish Pizza. This has been Cinnabuds. Cinnabuds is edited by DJ Kenny Perez. He's the best. We also get support from Associated Bank. Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician and author and Renaissance man, Brett Newski.
1: La if you're in France.
0: We uh, also get support from our members from 88.9 Ray Milwaukee and Milwaukee Film.
1: Handsome and pretty.
0: And there's one more person that I would like to thank. I can't imagine, I can't imagine who this could be. I, the we hadn't rehearsed this. Bradley Cooper to my Barbara Streisand. <gasps> the one and only Christopher Pollard. I will <laughs>
1: strangle your brother in front of you.
0: <laughs> Bye.